On today's episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're discussing target hardening your home. Hey guys, today's video is brought to you by Esri. This is the Esri Elite Backpack. Even though it's a backpack, you can also carry it like a briefcase. Guys, this is form retaining. It even has a port. You can charge your phone in the side. This is for your upper level gray men here. This is the Elite Level Backpack, the Esri Elite. Check it out. We've got a link below so you can learn more about it. And we're back with Steve and Dan from Anything Outdoors with Steve. Welcome back, Steve. Hello. Glad Thanks for having me. Join us, Dan. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us on. I want to thank you for your service to our country as well. Dan, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Steve, we kind of, we talked a little bit offline, um, you know, about target hardening people's homes. Um, and if, if you're a harder target than the neighbor's, probably the neighbor's house that the bad guys is going to go to. Let's just jump right in and, and get some of your ideas on on how people can harden their homes. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways to look at this and what to prepare for. Uh, it's it's difficult to prepare for everything. So you really have to look at, okay, what's our scenarios and how can we harden for that? Uh, the easiest, of course, is landscape. Uh, we've discussed that many times where putting rose bushes, blackberries around your property, around your house, around certain locations to where this is the natural area where people might want to tend towards. You can put blackberries there. My gosh, you cannot push through those without coming out bloody. And <laughs> they just intertwine. They make this mess of yeah. uh, thorns all hooked in the wrong direction, no matter which way you push or pull. And once you get in it, you're you're stuck. So there's lots of easy, cheap deterrents that you can use. And it, it goes downhill from there. So it depends on what exactly you're looking at covering and how you want to protect against it. And it might it might bear interjecting at this as it at this early stage in the conversation that, you know, unless you we're living in a war zone, the type of defense that we're looking at, the type of target hardening that we're we're talking about is um, we're concerned about criminal elements, uh, either burglarizing or or robbing, you know, a, a home situation. Yes. Yeah, we're very limited as far as what we're legally able to do and without getting into way too much trouble because even simple things it, you know i've heard a story where somebody broke into somebody's house while they were gone on vacation they just so happened to have a defective lock on their door to where the thief couldn't enter the house and couldn't get out of the garage because there was a power outage soon after or whatever the scenario may have been so he was stuck in that garage until the homeowners came back and he was surviving off dog food. So he ends up suing them and wins millions of dollars for breaking into their house and having a defective lock. So it's, it's horribly twisted in the judicial system as far as who gets benefits from illegal activities. I mean, it, it's just terrible. So I, I would, I would think that one of the best things we could do when trying to put together a, a long-term comprehensive safety strategy, defense strategy for, for our family. If you're in a big city, if you have the means, get out. If you have the ability to move someplace where there's a lower crime rate, do it. That's the most uh, profound thing that you can do to have a, an impact on your, you know, on your probability of living a safe and happy life. Um, you know, try to, try to locate in a, in a place in the United States where it's not illegal to defend yourself. 
that might be also something to, to factor in as a very predication of any kind of safety strategy. Yeah, so it truly is. That's, that's actually a really interesting topic that you bring up, Dan. So, I mean, all 50 states have one iteration or another of the castle doctrine, but some mm-hmm. states, it's it's very bastardized. North Carolina would be a prime example. So they have the castle doctrine, but it has a fair fight clause attached to it. So mm-hmm. if you break into my house with a baseball bat and I shoot you, I'm getting charged. So yeah. I can only fight you with something that's equal, like a baseball bat. It's absolute insanity. Yeah. Yes. We're we're located in North Idaho, and uh, yeah, let's just say the laws favor the homeowners up here. Uh, you break into my house, you're going to be really sorry about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Ed, I mean, we live in the gun sh- gunshine state here in Florida. Uh, <laughs> the gunshine gun state. Yeah. <laughs> So we have a, a you know very strong castle doctrine. We were also the first state to have stand your ground. Our stand your ground law is three sentences long. There's no room for misinterpretation. Whether That's you awesome. have a gun or not, if I felt that my life was in danger and I had to use deadly force, it doesn't just state that you know um, I can't be convicted, but you can't even indict or charge somebody in the state of Florida if it's compelling that hey, I thought Dan was going to kill me, so I, I did what I had to yeah. do. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Steve. Going back, to, going back to your comments with regards to the landscaping and stuff, um, you made a comment to me through the week with regards to uh, people being able to hide and stuff as well. Do you want to expand on that? Well, you've got natural barriers around your property, and it, of course, depends on how large your property is. You know, if you're downtown, there's always going to be a row of brush, trees, shrubs, whatever that people can duck down behind so if there's a car passing by they can duck quickly and then go back to work on breaking in silently if they're trying to go silent or just do the old smash and grab but those natural barriers become a hiding spot for them and uh, some people try to use that in their favor where they'll plant something else next to that natural barrier to prevent such activity so if they duck behind a bush they're coming out bloody and that a lot of times will thwart people. You know, the, when, when you start bleeding, it changes your mind a lot. And if you're popped up on drugs, though, maybe not. <laughs> so so there's always different factors to play there. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, g- give me your thoughts on uh, physically hardening your property, your house in particular. What are some of the things that people can do? Well, you know, I, I think perhaps I should... Uh, preface that comment by saying most of us are not independently wealthy and we we can't afford to have a an armed security contingent curling the perimeter of our property 24 7 so you know you know budget budgetary constraints definitely factor into one's you know defense strategy but there are a lot of cost effective ways that you can make yourself less of a soft target Um, when that I was born and raised in Idaho, but, you know, I, I lived around the world. I moved up from Los Angeles about 12 years ago. And one of the first things that I realized when I bought my house in North Idaho is that it was woefully, woefully soft. Usually so. Um, you know, the front door was was beautiful and ornate and had beautiful, very fragile glass windows in the door that you could just you know, punch out with your elbow and reach in and open the door and walk in. Mm. So actually, Steve was one of the 
people that gave me advice on how to harden harden my house up a little bit. Um, the, the very first thing I did was put a, an ornate steel door on the front of my house. So there's, you know, there's two doors. So, um, yeah, that layered defense really makes a big difference. You know, almost with everything, layers of defense are the biggest factor as far as giving you time to react. Because if somebody just has one door to kick through, it's really simple. You splinter the frame, you're in. Uh, having something that mounts on the outside, you're now working not only against just the, the side load frame stress, but the whole wall now. So it screws on with security screws all the way around the perimeter. And now you can't just do a simple bash entry anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic advice. We have a, a steel storm door on well, actually both of our man doors. Uh, they're out swing as well. So it's not yes. easily it's something easily kicked in. And you're correct. It is mounted, you know, to the frame on the outside. And then our, our front door, we took all the, you know, short screws out of it and put long screws to get all the way back into the jack studs. Mm-hmm. So uh, simple things like that. And you're right, Dan, they're not super expensive in the grand scheme of things. I think those ornate steel doors are max. Something like that. Now, granted, <laughs> The, the most robust wall can still be breached by a determined enemy. You know, the Great Wall of China didn't keep out the Mongolians. The Maginot Line didn't keep out the Germans. The Atlantic Wall didn't prevent Normandy invasion. But mm, you, if a criminal is, you know, perusing the neighborhood, they're going to choose between the soft target and the hard target. You know, don't look like a pussycat. Look like a porcupine. That's um, well said. So another thing I did, per Steve's advice, was install a security camera system. And again, you know, for people saying, oh, well, gosh, I don't have money to do that. They're surprisingly affordable. They're, they're, it's not that big of an investment. There's, there's wireless uh, camera systems. The, the resolution of the, of the cameras, granted, are not as, as good as, you know, hardwired camera systems, but they, they seem to work okay. I, I installed mine in, on a weekend. Yeah, first thing that comes to mind that, that's not expensive is a ring doorbell. Yes, know? a ring doorbell. And that's a hardwired system. So yeah. you're going directly into the power supply of the doorbell existing, and it's powered that way. And I usually try to advise against people getting wireless cameras for multiple reasons, and one of them is the battery. You're always up in that camera getting the battery replaced. And if it's difficult to get to, to make it hard to steal the camera, it's difficult to get to, to replace the battery and you're less likely to do so. Yeah, we have. And then, our... Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. The, the deterrent effect of, of a camera system. Oh, yeah. Even, even if you're not around, uh, you know, somebody walks up onto your house, you know, with the intent, with malintent, and they see a, you know, security camera pointing down at them. They're they're disinclined unless they're really hopped up on some kind of, you know, narcotics to, to turn around and, and, and choose a softer target. My office was broken into many, many years ago and it caused a massive amount of disruption to our business. So when we hardened that particular property, I don't remember the exact count, but there was at least say 12 to 15 operational cameras. We put an equal number of fake cameras in as well. So it, it looked like we had 30 plus cameras saturating the property. Yes. So 
perceptions reality, right? It's a great deterrent. And then, so I guess it, it might bear saying that, you know, there are two different basic threats that we face as, as homeowners. Uh, one is, is burglary, but another is, you know, armed, armed home invasion. So like the ATF. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a knock at my door in about 30 seconds. <laughs> How many rounds in that magazine? Yes. Right. So for, for, uh, you know, to deter a, a would-be burglar, you definitely a video camera system, especially if the video is going to cloud. Um, once they're on film, they're on film. Smile, there you are. Um, as far as if an occupied house with a security camera system, when you hear that suspicious sound at 3 a.m. outside, you don't have to walk outside in your Hello Kitty nightgown <laughs> You know, shining that flashlight, say, saying, "Who's there? Who's there?" Yeah. It, you I, can. I just got this mental image of you, Dan. I don't know if it's good. Oh, but... that was, that was, I was referring, alluding to Steve. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, being able to to walk over to just look, glance at at your video screen, and peruse the perimeter of your property, and realize, oh, it's just a, you know, it's another deer, you know, jumping over the fence, and so you have it's an early warning system and and hardening your house ultimately it's it, it's a deterrent effect as well as a delay effect that you're that you're striving for yeah that, you want I, to deter would be would be criminals and those who are intent on doing you harm it gives you some time to prepare for for the onslaught that, that's very well said. Um, there are also systems out there that have been around for years where there are motion detectors. And I'm not talking lights with motion detectors, just motion detectors that'll set off your phone or a keypad mm-hmm. inside. Same thing, early warning device. And the bad guy doesn't even know that he's been detected. Yeah, I've got one at the entry of my driveway. So I usually know when he's stopping by or when the uh, deer party is leaving. Uh, we've got a lot of those false alarms where, oh, it's just a group of deer. So you usually get about 10, 12 alerts in a row. Yeah. And unfortunately, that would be uh, a time to be suspicious. It's if you get 10, 12 alerts in a row, do I have a group of people coming in? But we've gotten to that point where we just assume it's it's a deer party leaving or coming. And they bed down during the dusk of the days around our property. So they just usually come and go from our driveway, unfortunately. But uh that's where the camera system comes into play too, because you'll start getting motion alerts on your camera system and having that Wi-Fi ability to where you can just simply pull it up on your phone real quick. And, Oh no, that's not deer. That's a pack of wolves coming to mm-hmm. chew on our little Fido. <laughs> now, another, another uh, technology, early warning technology that's been around for a long time uh, is called a canine. Yeah. It's, it's always useful to have some yappy dogs uh, this, this is a very effective early warning system. It, um, we have two, we have two large dogs and uh, they hear stuff long before we do. And we've yes. learned to pay attention to them. Um, they don't, our dogs don't bark at nothing. If they're barking or growling, there's something there. Yeah. And they usually have a couple different bark 
too. There's there's somewhere they're just inquisitive and they start doing a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you learn to listen to your dogs and as far as what they're telling you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think also physically, uh, maybe not so much applicable to y'all up there in the upper Midwest, but down here in Florida, um, impact resistant, hurricane resistant windows are a thing here. And they're, huge. they're quite a bit harder to break through than, you know, say a crappy single or even double pane window. Yeah, having that shatter guard right behind the glass, even if it shatters, it's still held in place. And you usually glue around the perimeter with some nice NP1 type silicone stuff that really holds it well. So after window breaks, you still have to apply considerable pressure just to even get through it. And even if you did one side, that is just phenomenal resistance to already give you plenty of time. And, and that's what we're looking at is just giving time. So you have an idea, do I have to escape or do I sit and fight? And so yeah. it, it depends on the scenario greatly right there. You know, if you've got a group of people, you may not be able to come out winning. And so yeah. having your family in mind, do you try to get out? Yeah. So or- Practice, Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Swapping up that 30 round magazine. Yep. Yeah. Get real fast proficient at that. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, aside from these kind of catastrophic, you know, onslaught of multiple criminals in a, an apocalyptic yeah. scenario, aside from that, there are a lot of really practical and cost effective measures that people can take to make themselves a, a harder target. Um, you, we, we discussed having a more robust door. If you have a hollow core door on the side of your garage or on the back of your garage, yeah, address that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if a you know if I can walk through it, you know, and and like the Kool Aid Man, mm-hmm. does that does that date me? Dates you and me. I could, we're the only two who laughed. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm a little long in the tooth, just so you know. Uh, you know, if you can, if somebody could just walk right through your hollow core exterior door, you might want to address that. Um, lock your garage. Don't, yeah. don't assume somebody's not going to try your garage door to see if they can get it open. Times have changed. Yes. Times have changed. Um, don't leave Don't leave your key under the mat. That's an old trick. People have figured it out. You know, oh, I hide it under this flower pot over yeah. here. Aren't I clever? No, you're not. You know, the, the fake rock yeah. in, the, in the garden. No. Yeah. That, you know, the, a term, the determined burglar will... We'll kick around a bit and try and figure that out or watch you enter your house and reach for that key under the, you know, under the flower pot or, or the hose or wherever you have it, wherever you think you've cleverly concealed it. Um, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So tools I, of opportunity. Oh, go ahead. Well, I actually have a, a, a story that kind of relates to your comments offline, Steve, with regards to not leaving tools outside that somebody can use, yes. you know, as a battering ram or something to break into your house with. So many years ago, we were traveling and a friend of ours stayed at our house to watch the dogs. And I had put an automatic lock on the man door from the garage into the house. And so the dogs had to go out and my friend went out on the lanai and the door closed behind him. And the door from the living room that he went through had two locks on it, a deadbolt and one on a privacy set or lock set. And he had turned it. He was from New York and he was New York city and he was paranoid about stuff. We typically didn't lock the one on the the lock set. We locked the deadbolt. And so he gets outside, he's in his underwear and realizes that he can't get back in the house. (laughs) 
And so he makes his way around to, to the garage and hits the keypad and gets in. But of course that door's locked. So we got back late at night, uh, you know, a few days later, he had gone home. He stayed with the dogs and fed them. And, you know, we get home in the middle of the night sort of thing, walk into the garage, the door, the lock and everything is just annihilated. He had no clothes. He couldn't go anywhere else. So here he is taking my tools, my drills and hammers and chisels and beat the crap out of this door, this deadbolt to get in the house. It was $500 damage, you know? Yeah. So, so you, yeah. you, there's a good anecdotal example of your. That's, yes. Not only is that a good anecdote, but it also gives you a good idea of how well your stuff holds up too. So he's using tools of opportunity within your garage and still taking time to get in. Of course, he's trying to be nice. He's not just smashing the door open, but. Well, um, I had mentioned actually, he told me he was being nice until he had to go to the bathroom. And oh. was, <laughs> so he didn't walk, <laughs> walk over to the neighbors in his underwear and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm friends with them. Uh, can I use y'all's restroom? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. He, he beat the crap out of him. Yeah. Yes. So I've mentioned it last week where uh, my wife tends to leave tools out. And so that's where the tools of opportunity comes in. And the one time I panicked a little bit is when she left the old fence post driver right by the front door. Oh, and so now you got this two handled and it's sturdy. You yeah. know, it's designed to pound a T post into the ground. You've got a lot of weight behind it. One or two smashes, you're in the door. You don't even have to expend a lot of energy. Somebody that's walking by, if you just so happen to be within view of the street or a path like that and sees that and is in that mindset of looking for opportunities that has already presented itself Fair, so that's where my SWAT teams it is it really is and it's amazing how much force when you use it like that how much force you can apply on an object where even if it's a hard nailed door frame you can actually start tearing that door frame apart with a few wax and it's it's amazing what you can do with one of those uh pry bars are the same thing you know you start prying on it it doesn't matter how deep your screws go you start getting attacks like that and you're getting in and so that's where you're just viewing it as just a delayed time so you've got time to react time okay. to prepare so and that's what it's all about we wrap up let's let's circle back to the concept of uh booby traps so you know there's a lot of precedent setting cases where the courts value life more than property so we're just saying this for the benefit of the survival dispatch audience. Uh, highly recommend that you do not put booby traps on your property that could hurt somebody. Uh, high probability that you'll be held responsible for that. I mean, there's there's some amazing booby traps you can put out there, but uh, unless you have a reason, like you have bears on your property, you probably shouldn't put out bear traps. Uh, you, you know, things along yeah. that line. Do you have anything you want to add to that before we wrap up, guys? Yeah, I would like to. I'd like to point out a tried and true methodology for increased security of your home. Um, it's it's a lost it's a lost thing we call neighbors. Yes. Um, my I keep my spare key in my neighbor's house, and their spare key is in my house. My neighbor watches out for me. I watch out for them. Um, I have a house in North Thailand, in rural Thailand. Um, in addition to my house here in North Idaho. I have all these security systems on it. When the cat walks across the porch, it alerts my phone. And, but I'm 8,000 miles away. What can I do? Yeah. I don't have to do anything because my neighbors will go buzzing up to find out 
why somebody's prowling around my property. We can do the same thing here. You know, talk to your neighbors, introduce yourself, uh, share share your security. Now, there's strength in numbers. Yeah. A few minutes of talking to your neighbors, you realize who you can rely on and who you can't. So you just start getting acquainted as you're doing walking the dog down the streets. You get acquainted with your neighbors as you're passing by. Hey, how's it going? I'm your neighbor down the street. And and you find out real fast who you can rely on. Um, it it's, it's an innate skill that we have where just a few minutes of conversation, you learn a lot about a person. Yeah. And that goes both ways. Yeah, that's a fantastic um, always, advice. Yes. And and then without without sounding too much like a hammer looking for nails, um, ultimately, in the moment of truth, we should always be ready to have our defense tools ready, and we should be willing and capable to eliminate, to annihilate an existential threat. Yes. Yeah, and I like to rely on the gray man look where not only are you unassuming and your house looks unassuming uh, it because you can't have a fortress. And even if you do have a fortress, that becomes more of a target. And so yeah. even a UN, uh, U.S. embassy can be easily overrun. They've got military guards on, on standby. If you get enough people, you can overrun it. So don't be that target that everybody's looking at. Hey, that house right there, they've got lots of money. You can tell by... Their decorations, you can tell by looking at the house that they've got lots of money. That means I'm going after them as soon as things start falling apart. Yeah. So don't be that person. Everybody hates the rich guy. Well, uh, two quick comments. One, the best fight is the fight that never happens. You know, that's right. Alive yep, remove yourself from that situation. And number two, I get right back to the original topic of, of uh, hardening. It's uh, common here in Florida to have hurricane shutters and they are heavy duty metal some of them are you know electronic that you control but other ones you manually close them and lock them nobody's breaking a window or a door to get into your house without expending a tremendous amount of effort making a tremendous amount of noise and making a spectacle of themselves so it, if you travel for work if you're gone away for any extended periods of time hurricane sh shutters is a winner it's a, it's a really good way to harden your property but uh, b before we wrap up for today, uh, tell the Survival Dispatch audience a little bit about y'all's YouTube channel, Anything Outdoors with Steve, some of the content that you guys yeah. are putting out there. Our goal from Survival Dispatch is to disseminate information so people can be self-sufficient. And that includes directing people to channels like y'all's and helping y'all get yes. some more traction. So uh, go ahead and do like a, your own uh, selfless promotion. Like myself. Okay. Sure. Well, anything outdoors with Steve, we typically rely on just hiking. Uh, so we're getting out there into the woods. We're doing everything we can to disconnect from society. Uh, so we've slowly expanded on this channel. And we've kind of done the similar aspect of what you've done, where we've got lots of people giving us video. And so we've got a guy that I work with. He's been giving us some bike racing videos where he's going around tracks and crashing. Mm -hmm. So we've fondly come called him uh, crashing with Colin. He likes to be called <laughs> reckless. <laughs> so, uh, but we've slowly expanded on this too, to where we're starting to do a preparedness mindset videos as well. Um, I mentioned it before where I'm going to be showing how to hook up a full house power inverter. And so I'm going to be addressing that video here pretty soon. 
and how to hook that up and what it looks like. And it's a little bit different from your standard inverter where it's just this little guy. This is a 240 volt. And even though it's a low wattage, it can handle quite a bit. And this thing is about 80 pounds and it's just a monster. But so, so I'll be showing how to hook that up and what to use so for those hookups and what to plan when for. When would you like to make a trip here to Florida? To There's about 14,000 <laughs> watt hours of battery sitting behind me. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. And and see, my mindset, I was looking at some of those devices like that where, where you've got this portable unit where you can just bring it wherever and it's got 1,000 watt hours. And that's what you have to break everything down to is watt hours. So you can mm -hmm. kind of have an actual understanding of the work. So the watt hours are the work. Uh, so you can compare that to a light bulb, 100 watts. You know, your drill is 1,500 watts or whatever it may be. You know, hair dryer is 1,500 watts, microwave 1,500 watts. That'll tell you how long that device will run for an hour. So if your battery is 1,000 watts of capacity, that's it. You know, that's that's the maximum. It doesn't matter how fast you draw it out to some degree because there is losses in efficiency the faster you pull it out. But uh, beyond that, it's that's just what's contained within it. Um, so I decided to build my own. Well, I was just going to say. Yeah, so I decided, oh, good. Well, I was just going to say since you're Go an ahead. electrician and, and we're a little bit off topic, but that's OK. Yeah. I think that we should do another follow up video on grid down. You know, we're a first world country with okay. a third world power grid and you, you've got, mm -hmm. you know, you're connected to the grid or you're off grid. Most people fall right in the middle where they're susceptible to grid down. So power outages caused by everything from Mother Nature to EMPs to uh, vandalism. And we're going to see more and more instances of grid down and they're going to last longer and longer quarter million people in upstate New York and Massachusetts, you know, still have no power from a nor'easter that went through. And yeah. so the cool thing about grid down preparations is that you could buy something Easy. like you just mentioned a thousand watt hours and buy another yeah. piece, and you can horizontally grow it instead of buying a vertically stacked system where you blow the budget yes. all in one shot, right? You can spend a few thousand dollars and here's something else cool that I'll just mention you could buy one of these battery backup units that allows you to chain them together, daisy chain them together. And each time you buy a component for it, you yeah. buy a cheap ass electric or solar panel for less than a hundred dollars. And you claim your 30% yeah. federal tax credit on it and you get it on the whole thing. Yes. So you spent $3,000 on the battery, $90 on the solar panel, but you get 30% off all of it. So there's good ways all to work. that cost. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's that's really right now with the tax credits, the way they've got them set, take take advantage of it. You know, really, you can because uh, a lot of times they want to see it tied to the grid somehow to where it's rolling the meter back. And that involves a whole nother cost. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the way it's written, uh, you might be able to get away with just exactly what you were talking about, where you have a solar panel charging your battery bank and you might be able to get that tax credit right there. So you, you can the, yeah. The way it's written yeah right. you can get it I've, I've been involved pretty uh close on projects small okay. large everything in between with the solar tax credits and it's actually the 30 percent federal tax credit has been extended out to 2032 okay. and as long as you that's have awesome. one solar component everything else that's, that's on that purchase you get the 30 percent credit it extends to your roof on your house for whatever the footprint yes. of the solar system is so it let just easy numbers you had 2,000 square it foot is. of roof, 
and a thousand square foot covered in solar panels and you had to replace your roof at the same time that you did the solar panels, you get 30% off 1,000 square foot of roofing as well on your taxes. So yeah. it, that's actually an area where I do have a fair bit of hands-on experience, both commercial residential here in Florida. But uh, that's a great topic for the next time we get together. Um, Absolutely. Everybody have a look down in the description. There's going to be a link to uh, y'all's uh, YouTube channel, Anything Outdoors with Steve. And uh, appreciate y'all yeah. showing them some love and enjoying their yeah, channel. Thank you well. for having us on. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's been great. We appreciate it. We look forward to the next time. Thanks, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye.